Thousands of years ago, Jesus just changed or transformed the thinking of those who were in his influence. Uh, the words he would say were just be uh, just radical, a change from the way things had been done before, uh, just, just turning their world upside down. And even now, 2,000 years later, they continue to impact us. Uh, we may not realize, but there's a lot of little comments, a lot of little phrases that uh, all stem back from 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke and communicated on the Sermon on the Mount. Things like, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, don't judge, love your enemies, do unto others as you'd had done unto yourself. Those kinds of things, and there's many more, they continue to ripple into even our popular culture today. Uh, these aren't foreign to most people, no matter what their background. And as we're diving into those, we're seeing that they can touch us. Uh, for the last two weeks in this subject, we've uh, talked about uh, happiness, and now we're transitioning into more of his message. Uh, we've talked about the Beatitudes. Uh, you can find those online and at guest services, a CD. But all through this, we're, we're re emphasizing this fact that Jesus makes life better and makes us better at life. Jesus makes life better and makes us better at life. And when you and I start to align the rhythms of our lives with Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, when we're connected to God through Jesus, and we start to have that inside-out transformation, we find that he makes life better. It isn't that he makes life easier, as we saw last week. It's, it's the, not just the quality of life, but it's, it's the life, it's the legacy we, we produce in the wake of our life. And it makes us better at life. So we're continuing on. We're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount for the next, I believe it's three weeks. Uh, then we'll be jumping into Christmas, and then we'll pick it up again, uh, first of the year. So I just want us to jump right into Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 13. You can find that in the little rack Bible around you. That's on page 677. If you want a paper copy of Bible, we'd love you to take that uh, Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, if you have an electronic device, uh, you can download the uh, Version Bible, and it's a free app on any device, and you can have the Bible with you anywhere you go. So uh, those are just uh, really great ways to have um, God's Word with us throughout our, our week. So let's uh, start off in verse 13 of chapter 5. This is what we read. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when we think about what we just read, 
we really can boil that all down to one word, and you've heard the word a number of times already, the idea of influence. As Christ followers, we are to influence our world. Now this morning, uh, we all come from different walks of life. Some of us are all in, we're convinced, and we're trying to follow Christ, and we're trying to integrate that more and more into our lives, and uh, it's not always easy, but, but that's the way we're traveling. Uh, then there's some of us who aren't just uh, really convinced about that yet. We're still trying to figure out, does that statement, Jesus makes life better and me better at life, is that real? Can I trust that statement? And we're watching, and we're watching other Christians. We're maybe watching the person that's brought us to church. And we're watching and saying, is this real in their life? Could this be real in my life? But if you're a Christ follower, the reason you and I are still on the planet is to influence our world. And we could say it another way is that you and I are walking, breathing, talking, commercials. We're commercials for the good news, for the gospel. Those are words that mean the good news that Jesus came, gave his life, died for us so we could be made right with God and rose again, and then wants to have a relationship with us. That God didn't turn his back on mankind because of our self-centeredness, because of our violence, because of our sin, God makes it possible. He extends his hand and says, say yes to Jesus, place your trust, lean into him, and you can have a connection, a relationship with me that starts in the here and now and continues all the way through eternity. He offers us that, all of us that, and that's the good news. That's the gospel. So those of us who have said yes, those of us who are in that journey, those of us who are trying to figure it out and are taking steps in that way, maybe two steps forward, one step back, but we're traveling in that direction, you and I, the pressure's on, you and I are God's marketing campaign for the good news. Uh, and, and sometimes we can be great commercials, sometimes we can be bad commercials, uh, sometimes we can be confusing commercials. And sometimes we can be bait-and-switch commercials. Uh, sometimes uh, we can be like this. This commercial, if you saw this on, uh, on, uh, in the Pulse this week, uh, we're actually giving these out to um, the Millers and the Schraders. Uh, this is Keep Me Safe, a lullaby, uh, lullababy car hammock. I, I love this thing. It's $6.95. The price is right. Um, it's the safest, most comfortable car bed ever made. Um, Angelica and I tried to figure out, is that a real baby in there or is that a doll? And it looks like a fake one, but the eyes look real. So we don't know, but uh, somebody got this idea. I wish there was an adult edition because I could sleep in that when Cindy was driving. But, uh, you, know, you know, this ad, that, that's not really a reassuring ad for today. We would say that's a bad one. And, and then, like I said earlier, then, then there are the confusing ads like this. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom! Don't tell mom. Don't tell mom! Don't tell mom! Don't tell mom? Yeah. The best stories you'll ever tell start with don't tell. Don't tell dad. 
Start yours in the new Santa Fe. Now that's a really cute and that's a fun commercial, but the reality is that's a nice family, but I'm going to tell you, when mom and dad have secrets, that's not a good thing. So really, that's a confusing commercial. And sometimes you and I as Christ followers uh, can, can be confusing, can, can send mixed messages. And so we have to ask ourselves, what kind of marketing are we really participating in for this thing called the good news? Um, or we can be a commercial like this. have to admit I have done that once or twice. I don't have that kind of recliner yet, but someday maybe I'll have one of those. And you've done it too. You've looked, uh, and gone back. So, um, but, uh, you know, so there's all these kinds of commercials that either draw us to something or push us away from something. Um, and then there's the, there's the bait and switch commercial. I, I've I couldn't believe I came across this. This is actually a picture, an ad. A company did this, and they put a hair on the picture. And so when you'd see it on your phone, you would think that was actually a hair, not on this image, and you would swipe it, and it would bring you to the page. That's pretty clever. You've done that too in different ways, but uh, they actually had to take that down almost instantaneously once they did that. But, you know, so commercials, we can, we as Christ followers are, are a marketing campaign for God, and Christ brings that out. He talks about the attitudes that you and I can be in, the be attitudes, and then he continues to unpack this, and he continues to say, you are my marketing plan. And so you are like two common elements of the day. And the first one, obviously, was you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And we need to understand some things about salt. And we need to understand some things about salt in Jesus' day. First of all, we need to realize that salt enhances flavor. It makes something taste better. I love salt. There's another verse in Mark where Jesus starts talking about the same thing, but it starts off by saying, salt is good. And every time Cindy gives me a hard time about putting too much salt on my food, I say, Jesus said, salt is good. But, uh, you know, that, that doesn't really work. But anyway, but salt enhances things. And it's funny, when, when you eat something, if there's, if there's too much salt then it doesn't enhance. It's just that right amount, and it brings the flavor out. A couple times, Cindy, it's because she's in kid zone right now, a couple times, Cindy has bought um, non-salt butter. That is disgusting. Uh, what is the purpose of that? I'm actually salting my butter, you know. I, I, just, I just don't know what that is, what that is but... Uh, um, that, that has happened. Or uh, low-salt potato chips. Man, if you can eat a potato chip, I want, a, I want salt. So, so salt enhances the flavor. Uh, salt doesn't draw attention to itself, but it just amplifies the flavor of whatever it is associated with. 
Likewise, you and I as Christ followers. And if you're not a Christ follower, you get to elbow the person next to you and say, hey, are you enhancing the flavor of Jesus? Because you and I, as Christ followers, are supposed to enhance, amplify, show what Jesus does in a person's life. We're salt. We're salt. And we have to ask, do I enhance the flavor or do I take it away? We've talked about this when we did the awkward series about overwatering or oversalting. But the right amount of salt makes something taste just awesome. Cindy last weekend made some um, pumpkin soup. And it was really good and creamy and all that kind of stuff. But it just needed a tad a little salt. And we got one of those salt shakers you grind. Oh, I love that salt. And you just kind of grind a little on it. And you get a little grain in your... Mmm, delicious. It enhanced. But just doing that by itself wouldn't be good. But on that pumpkin soup, it was just awesome. So we have to be reflective as Christ followers. Are we enhancing the flavor, the change that Jesus has made in our life. Uh, Does the message of the good news leave a good taste in somebody else's mouth because you're salt? Do you enhance the flavor? Also, we see that salt protects health. In uh, Jesus' day, salt was, was, was a part of medical things. Uh, it was, they would have a little bit of salt, and uh, some of us even today, still when we get a sore throat, what do we do? We gargle with some salt water, right? And uh, it, 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 got, it, it cleans, it uh, preserves, uh, it, it, it just, it helps with that. Um, uh, how many of you ever lived near the ocean? I remember when I was a boy and I lived near the ocean and I might have scabbed up my knee and my dad would go, go stand in the water. Why? Because the salt water is good for that knee. I'd go and stand there. I, I liked standing in the water, but he would, you know, kind of want the, me to splash up the salt water on my scab because it would help it heal faster. And so when you think about your life, my life, as a Christ follower, am I protecting health? Am I, am I helping people? A, am I restoring health? Or am I a tos, toxic Christ follower? And so when I enter into a room or a situation, I actually bring it down rather than bring it up. See, Jesus says you and I are to be the salt of the earth. That involves protecting health. It involves coming in and making situations more healthy. Also, salt prevents decay. It prevents decay. I'm told that um, back in this day... You could make meat um, not uh, go bad for about three to four months, maybe even later, longer, if you were able to rub the salt into the meat. It prevents the decay. It, it, it's, it, it preserves. And likewise, as Christ followers, we're to be a preserving influence in culture. We're to preserve. We're to be out there. We're to, to make a stand in the right way, not in caustic ways, but we are to be a preserving factor in the places of our world, of our community. 
Also, you have to remember, salt was very um, valuable in Jesus' day. Uh, soldiers uh, were paid, a part of their salary was in salt, and that's how we get the word salary, salt. They're, they're connected with that. Um, again, it was very valuable, and, and we're to, to be out there preventing uh, the decay of our society. Uh, we're, to, we're to be a part of it, and in a sense, there's this idea without the Christian influence, and you may disagree with this, but without that influence, society um, unravels. And uh, so in many ways, we as Christ followers have kind of pulled back instead of being out there in these places of influence. And, um, and that kind of thing. It's interesting, a, a man, uh, some of you are familiar with Richard Dawkins. Uh, he's an atheist. He's a, a great thinker in a sense. Um, he writes lots of books, has a lot of traction in our society. And it's interesting, uh, he's really wanted to expound or expunge the influence of Christianity in our world of all faith, of all religions. And it's interesting that he's started to come a little bit the other way, and he's really realized, and there's a bunch of these guys who have, uh, say this, atheists have sounded the alarm, the decline of Christianity is seriously hurting society. And so for a person like this to say that, he's starting to see. You see, we're to be the salt of the earth and to be a part of limiting the decay of society. Uh, he writes in a couple places, he says, whether irrational or not, talking about faith, it does unfortunately seem plausible that if someone sincerely believes God is watching his every moment, he might be more likely to be good. Salt of the earth. He goes on to say in one of his books, he says this, I must say that I hate that idea. I want to believe that humans are better than that. I'd like to believe I'm, I'd like to believe I'm honest whether anyone is watching or not. You see, even in the broader field of thinking, in uh, this book, Outgrowing God, he's coming to the conclusion that when you and I, as real, authentic Christ followers, pull back, society uh, unravels. And, and we could look and we could see that. And, and that's not, you don't, you don't, in a sense, blame society for that. Just the same way you wouldn't blame the salt or, or the meat for going bad, you would blame that the salt wasn't put in the meat properly. So that falls back on us. So remember this. this I say this very strongly, that, that a lot of what we see going on in our world isn't because of the world, it's because of us. We've, we've pulled back. We've, we've stopped being that preserving factor in society. And just again, like you can't get mad at the meat for, for spoiling because there wasn't salt in it. You can't get mad at society when we have pulled back from it and not engaged in it. And when I mean engaged in it, you, you know my, if you've heard me speak a number of times, engaged in civil, kind. Um, we talked about this last week. Um, you know, approach Trump's content every time. You know those ideas. But we've pulled way too Another characteristic of salt, and I don't think Jesus was actually thinking about this, but I thought it was an application, is this, is that salt melts ice. We're just about there. <laughs> salt melts ice. And when you think of you and I as Christ followers, 
We ought to be involved in people's love, our lives, showing the love of Christ in such a way that it melts their hearts towards Christ. And I could tell you story after story, some of you are those stories, where the love of Jesus coming in the form of a person who's a Christ follower, who's being salty, has helped melt your heart and warmed your heart so that you were open to Christ. We need to be out there preserving and melting hearts, pointing to Christ. Also, we saw that you are the light of the world. Verse 14, light does a lot of things. First of all, light provides direction, provides steps, helps us take our next steps. So we can talk, we could talk about God's Word helping us take our next steps, but really, when you and I as Christ falls are light, we help somebody else take their next step. I used to really love backpacking, and uh, one time we were backpacking going up to this mountain, Mount Jacora, and what we wanted to do is we wanted to set up camp and uh, get up there and the next morning climb the mountain, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was getting dusk, and it was getting darker, and the place we were going to camp was a little spur, maybe uh, you know a tenth or two-tenths of a mile off to the left or something, and it was kind of secluded, and we're going along, and it's getting darker and darker and darker, and finally, we start to see the place. We put our headlamps on, and uh, now, it, now it's dark, and, and it, it just looks like woods with no path, and it's dark, and I'm like, oh, this is bad. And all of a sudden, we start going down the trail a little bit, and all of a sudden, I noticed a little glow on one of the trees. We got a little closer, and someone had put a little reflector on that tree. And we went a little farther, saw another reflector, another reflector. Kept going on and on and on. Now I'm thinking, is someone playing a trick on us? Are we going to like come to a cliff? Because that, that's, that's what Dave might do. But uh, anyway, <laughs> no campsite. Sucker. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> Jesus loves you. I don't. No, anyway, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, so, so we, we, we followed the little reflectors, and we got there, and sure enough, that was the campsite. Light provides direction. Next steps. You and I, as Christ followers, ought to be at a place where just because we're walking with Jesus, we provide a light that helps somebody else take a next step. Jesus tells us we're light. Also, uh, light gives life. Plants need light. We need vitamin D. A lot of us, when it starts to get darker and the days are shorter, you know, deal with this, uh, i got to make sure I get it right, uh, you know, deal with this uh, limited light. And, uh, you know, it just, it, just, it, just, it, just, it, it, it just makes us a little bit edgy. It makes us a little bummed out because it's not as light. You see, light gives life. And so as you and I are light, we ought to be giving life to people, not taking life away our attitudes, the way we interact with others. We can either suck people dry or we can energize people. All of us have those people in our life that we, that we engage with. I've shared with you before, there are some people that when I'm feeling a little low, I call this certain friends, talk with them on the phone for two seconds, and, and I'm just my spiritual lift. They give life. They're being light. They energize. And likewise, we, we need that to know to take our next steps. I mean, when, when it is dark... 
it is dark. Now, you know, where we live in Waterloo, um, it's not really dark there. There's street lights and everywhere. Sometimes I'm driving down this way and I go across the hill, you know, and, uh, and there's no lights and you can just see the stars and it's because it's dark. But also sometimes you and I are in places where it is absolutely dark. I remember um, at uh, this, the first church we were at, um, there was uh, multi-levels to this church uh, back in South Portland. And um, this is very personal. But, you know, you know, sometimes when I needed to use the boys' room, I would go down into the basement bathroom because I just was in there, you know, and people would, hey, Dave, is that your shoes? You know, and I'm like kind of doing my business. I want to kind of let me be by myself for a second. So I'd go downstairs, and, and uh, it was evening service time, and I'd been at the church for a lot of years, and I'm down there, and all of a sudden I come out of the bathroom, and someone had turned off all the lights. And I, it was dark. And I said, I know how to go. I know where everything is, and I took one big step and walked into a cement wall, and he actually got bloodied my nose a little bit, so I had to explain that. But, you know, you know most of us aren't in completely dark places, but if we're, we're, we have the light of the gospel, we bring light into situations, not darkness. And obviously, light dispels darkness. So it's not in a self-righteous way, but when you and I enter into things, we bring clarity. We bring understanding as a Christ follower because you and I are to be salt and light. Now in those two phrases, the word you are, you are, has a fuller meaning than we get in our English translations. The you are in the original language really has this idea, you and you alone, Christ followers, are the, are the salt, are the light. In other words, there is not a plan B. You are to be out there as salt and light. I don't have any other options. I don't have any other plans. So your influence in your world, whatever your world looks like, you are to be salt and light. You and you alone. There's also another idea that comes right off the page in the original. And it's you all. We don't have a plural for you. You guys, whatever. You all. And that means all of you together. As a, as a group of Christ followers in a local location. Together we can do more than separate. That was so great about this. We can do more together. Um, the trunk or treat, we can do more together. Missionaries, ministry difference, par difference partners around the world, we can do more together. Um, caring for things, um, helping out with the food pantries, and on and on and on. We can do more together. And so the idea is you and you alone and you all as Christ followers are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Which brings us to our bottom line, which isn't the end of the message, so don't pack everything up yet. Couldn't find who actually first said this. A lot of people attributed to this person and that one. But we are to live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God, will come to know God because they know you. That is heavy lifting. I just dumped a truckload on you. But that's what Jesus says. You and I are to be salt 
and light. Live in such a way that those who know you, so that means people need to know you and you need to know people outside of the four walls of a local church, but don't know God, will come to know God because they know you. And I've been privileged to watch this idea unfold time and time again with you folks. We can have it happen more, but you're doing this. But we need to continue to do this. We need to be salt and light, influencing our world. I skipped a little bit in there in Matthew 5. Uh, Matthew 5.16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, it's this idea that you and I point to Him. It's not for ourselves. It's that you and I point to Him. The idea of glorifying is showing that He is important, that He is valued above all else. And so when you and I live a certain way, act a certain way, behave a certain way, think a certain way, we glorify our Father in heaven by letting our light shine. And there's lots of things we can do this. Do, do this. Uh, we need to uh, bring a friend and, and we need to bring a friend. Excuse me, I got this wrong. We need to be a friend and bring a friend. So we need to be out there and we need to be being a friend in the places that we travel, the places we go, so that we can bring a friend. And sometimes that means bringing them into just your life. Uh, sometimes that means bringing them to church, bringing them to some event. It's not about getting a seat filled, but it's letting them get a glimpse of who Jesus is. And uh, again, that's one reason we're really emphasizing this Christmas at the movies. Uh, in a couple weeks, we'll be unpacking that. There'll be the bull boiler down the street and all of that because we want to see that we can influence our world and point others to Christ. Now, in this salt and light communication from Jesus, there's also a warning. He, he warns us. He says, it, 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 it's, it's been said that there are two reasons people are not Christ followers. You may remember that statement from um, Awkward. But uh, Jesus says it this way. Uh, there's a warning that there are two reasons people aren't Christ followers. And he first starts talking about the light, or actually the salt, but we're going the light first. And it says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, have to remember, in Jesus' day, most homes had one oil lamp. And they would have this one oil lamp, and they would position it so that it would dispel the most light possible. A lot of us don't even think about that too much. We just turn on an extra light. But they would put it in a place where the walls, uh, usually they were um, like a plaster, a, a white stone, would reflect the light into the room. And so they would, they would do that so that, that everybody could see, that everybody could use it. And so the idea here is that if we're going to be light, sometimes uh, we, we can be hidden. We, we, can, we can hide, and, and that brings us on to one of our reasons that a person, they've never met a Christ follower because we're isolated. We hold it back. We, we, we don't really present. We don't really shine. And we need to be aware of that. So we can be a Christ follower. We're called to be light and salt, salt and light, 
But there are people in our world that have really never met an authentic Christ follower. They're, they're, we, we, they're isolated from that, or we keep ourselves isolated from that. I love the way Eugene Peterson amplifies this. He says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. You can't hide a city on a hill. Even in Jesus' day, again, because of the limestone they would use, you couldn't hide it. Even if, it was, even if there wasn't a light on, the reflection of uh, the moon and stars would make that stand out. So the idea is we need to go public with our faith. Going on, he writes, If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on, put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Warning number one, that we're isolated, too isolated. Then he goes on. He talks about the, the salt. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Remember, salt was valuable. When salt got mixed in with something else or something else got mixed in with salt, in Jesus' day, you couldn't separate it out. The technology didn't exist. Today, it's not a big deal. Today, you can go to McDonald's or any fast food and get actually free salt. You can get a packet of salt, and they don't charge you. It's just there. In Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. And once the salt was wrecked, you couldn't do anything with it because it would still kill whatever you put it on. So they would just throw it on pathways to keep the vegetation down. So the idea here is that you and I, as light bearers, you and I, as being salty, can, can, get, can get compromised. And so... Some of the reasons, one of the warnings is that someone doesn't meet a, meet a Christ follower. They're in isolation. The other thing is they've not met a Christ follower. They have met a Christ follower, and it, he, the Christ follower is contaminated. It's that kind of salt. It's got that, that, that uh, mixture in there. And you and I can live a life where, where we send mixed messages, where, we, where we're not really aligned with the Lord. We're not walking that way. We're letting a lot in. It doesn't mean we're not in process, because we all are in process, but we're letting a lot of things into our lives that, 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 that kind of send a mixed signal. It's, we're contaminated, if you will. And so then when someone looks at our life, uh, we're, not, we're not that right kind of salt. Again, Eugene Peterson says it this way, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Ooh, they're not useful. I'm not useful. So you and I are called to be salt and light, but our light can be diminished. We can live in isolation. We cannot, we're not out there. Or we let mixed signals. We're not really aligned, we're compromised, and uh, it, it, it's not working right. And so this is, this is a command by Jesus saying, 
be the salt and light. As a Christ fall, this is the reason we're still on the planet. That's why we're on the planet, to be salt and light. And then as we think about a church and think about a church family, uh, the ramifications are this. And uh, you've heard me say this before, but I'm just very mindful. As Seneca Community Church, we're very mindful of being salt and light, and we're trying to move in that direction, continue on that direction. Maybe it's two steps forward, one step back, because we want to be a church family that if we disappeared, the community would actually miss the salt and miss the light that we're reflecting in Christ. You see, if, a church, if our church were to suddenly disappear, would the people in our community actually miss us? That question haunts me. Haunts me. I think they would miss us, not in an arrogant way, but I want them to miss us more. I also realize that very quickly you can go from the community missing you to the community not even know you don't exist anymore. So if you and I are going to be salt and light as Christ followers, we need to live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. That's salt and light, not isolated and not compromised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for those of us who are Christ followers, this is a, this is a heavy, heavy, heavy conversation. Jesus lays it out real clearly. And Father, I would ask that you would help each one of us to really take inventory of our lives and ask ourselves how, how our salt level is, how our light level is. And, and look at ways where we can align with you in a deeper, more fuller way so that we can be the salt that uh, preserves. We can be the salt that adds flavor to life that we can be the light that helps someone take their next stop to step to you. And Lord, I also pray for those in our midst that may not have said yes to you, may not have crossed that line of faith, and I pray in a moment like this, they would see that you love them dearly, that you want them to be a part of your family. And then even in a moment like this, as their heart aches for you, they would cry out in silent prayer and say, Lord, come into my life. I want to follow you. I want to be your salt and your light to a world that desperately needs it. So I pray that you'd be working in all our hearts this morning. Uh, we all have plenty of steps to take. We're thankful that we don't take those steps alone. You're right alongside us. And we're thankful for the gift of being able to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time in our school.